Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. It's episode 250. You've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about building your next rifle, uh, be that a project, um, a special special applications gun, um, whatnot, some of the kind of design considerations we think through um, based on kind of what, you, what we want the gun to be able to do, what the mission set is, yeah. um, what's available, kind of... Yeah. yeah, all those kind of things. So the the genesis of this conversation is coming from about three different directions right now. Um, we the, the SBR craze with the ATF's ill-conceived free SBR scheme here a while back based around guns with arm braces on them. Um, a lot of folks SBR'd guns. A lot of folks SBR'd an AR pistol, something from something as ridiculous as a 5.56, 7.5-inch fireball maker, um, you know, and then other guys had, you know, nine millimeter stuff or two, two, three, five, five, six stuff, whatever, um, that, that the brace was no longer legal, but the ATF is going to give you for free your SBR. So you're saving a $200 tax stamp. Um, SBRs exploded, um, in, in commonality in at least in our world. Um, uh, along that same time frame, you know, we're talking to guys we shoot with here and, and a lot of us had already been, had already done SBRs or had been running SBRs or been running arm brace guns when they were legal, etc. And a conversation came up organically in the shop with a dude who's, who's legitimately high speed, um, legitimately tip of the spear kind of dude. Um, home on leave uh it ended up coming in he comes stops by every couple years and and just a really good guy and and open to talking about things that are open source kind of stuff um and the conversation came up around you know do you guys run mark 18s and the guy is kind of like no we really don't we tend to run the m4s we run the the you know the 14 and a half inch guns um you know we run them hard the 14 and a half inch gun is easier to control it's honestly the same weight. Uh, Mark 18 is a pig of a gun. Um, and he said, so based on, you know, having a little bit longer barrel, a little bit better ballistics, a little bit better controllability, uh, because, you know, some of those guys are not necessarily always running super sexy, like SOST ammo or, or, or 77 grain and stuff like that. I mean, we would like to think that the majority of the time there, they get the cream of the crop in gear, but it doesn't always work out that way logistically. Um, and then what they're training with may not be the expensive stuff either to some extent too. So, you know, the, these dudes are, he, he just basically said, no, we tend, most of us tend to run the 14 and a half inch guns in our environment. Um, whether it's structure work, whether it's out in the open, whether it's this, that, or the other, because of the controllability of the gun, the ability to put more rounds on the target faster with more control, less recoil, etc., Um, and with a greater amount of reliability, durability, etc., because the 14 and a half inch guns don't tend to be beating themselves up like the eight, like the overgassed Mark 18, 18 inch guns do. Or 12, Mark 18's a... I'm sorry, uh, 10-3. Yeah, 10-3 inch gun. Yeah, 10-3 inch, like the little short dudes tend to be overgassed. Yeah especially something based for the military for the sake of reliability. So the Mark 18, you know, that 10-3 gun is definitely hard on itself um, and dirty and gassy and this, that, and the other. So these guys train a lot. So something they can control better, something that's not blowing crap in their face, especially suppressed and stuff like that. Um, there's there's a little bit of a health concern there too, long-term. That wasn't yeah. his words. I'm putting those words out there. Um, at the same time, uh, we're seeing uh, local LEOs, uh, Central Ohio LEOs training 
and, and a number of folks who went to short barrels because they're convenient, they're easy to store, they're easy to carry around, they're lighter weight, etc. When you put a suppressor on the gun, um, it's no longer than, you know, a 14 and a half or 16 inch gun. And so there's some convenience aspect to that. But as they get into training, these are guys who are, again, on the leading edge of newer training paradigms. And so they're working on increasing human performance, not just shooting a qual clean. Yeah, they're doing high performance. Yes. High performance shooting with rifles, uh, kind of working out of the adoptive rifle playbook. Yes. Yes. And so these guys are out there and they're hammering on it too. And as you know, some of these guys are the, are the, the top shooters within their agencies. Uh, some of them are trainers, some of them are just really qualified dudes who run the guns really hard and they pay attention to it and they put the time in. And the push, you know, you start getting competitive and you start talking about tenths, quarters, halves of a second, stuff like that. Um, what they're finding out is the short guns are harder to run fast. They move around more, you lose some controllability. And in that LEO world, while the likelihood is that you're not taking a 50-yard or 100-yard shot, you, the reality is you need to be prepared to be able to do that because it could be an active shooter situation in a, a mall, in an open environment, a heaven forbid at a school, something like that. If it's outside, you have some big open spaces. Um, you know, we're in Ohio. There's there's a lot of green space in Ohio, even in even in metropolitan areas. There's a yeah. lot of green space. And uh, so these mentioned big big box stores. Yes, in big box stores, in and like I said, and unfortunately, big box schools. Yeah. Um, you know, we we have schools that have tremendously long hallways in them because when you're trying to cram, you know, three, four, five, six hundred kids per grade level in a high school, they get big quick to house them. Um, so you get this push of guys going back to a 14 half inch painted welded or 16 inch guns because of controllability and because they're not overgassed and because you get a little more reliability out of the gun, etc. a little less necessity of babying the gun, keeping it clean, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and so this kind of push came up and so we're going to kind of run through like, you know, when you're, when you're building out your next project gun, like Brian said, with the opener there. Um, what do you want to be able to achieve with the gun and why, you know, why would you look at doing, you know, a really short gun over a really long gun or maybe stepping out in caliber wise? Why would you look at going with a different caliber? Um, and so we're going to kind of burn through that as a, I won't say a 30,000 foot overview, but maybe a 5,000 foot overview. Yeah. Yeah. Um, start short, go long. I'd say first thing, your mission yeah. set kind of drives everything. Oh, wait a minute. What? Uh, the mission drives the gear train? Yeah, to quote Pat Rogers. Rest, rest in peace, Patrick. Uh, this is where, you know, if we want to <clears throat> kind of do everything, you know, home defense gun, varmints around the farm gun, yeah. go out and plink gun, train yeah. hard, in classes gun, the 14.5 to 16-inch gun does that all really well yep and it does it all day long uh, getting outside of that you know if you're looking for you know the shorter the shorter guns and sbr um, becomes easier to conceal it's easier to transport yep. surreptitiously uh, whether that's fully configured um, whether that's broken in half yeah. Um, upper and lower, um, whether that's you know folded in half with like a wall folder, or based on one of the what is that the shield arms, the folding yeah. lower. Yeah. Um, you get a lot of. You get a lot of capability depending on what it, what the application is. Yeah. You get a lot of capability being able to get the weapon system, 
into the environment in which it is to be used yeah. with the short barrel gun. Um, take that as you will. Um, use that for good purposes. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But that's kind of where that like that comes from. Uh, about was it a year and a half ago, I had an opportunity to do some Lovis kind of training. Uh, and one of the things that came out of that was actually running, you know, call it 11.5 or 11.3 or 12.5, basically DMR guns um, with the expectation that this is a really good weapon system inside 200 meters, maybe out to 300 meters. Um, but we've got the weapon in the environment that we needed it. Yeah, because because it's, uh, it's short. If it's not on, if it's not on you or immediately nearby, you're probably not going to get to it. Yeah, right. I mean, we have that conversation all the time. I'm out, I'm at the mall in the food court eating my 14 slice of pizza and shit pops off. I'm gonna run up to my Ford Ranger pickup truck and grab my. Yeah, no, you're not. Um, you're gonna stroke out in a 50 yard sprint getting to the door, and then you're gonna run back and grab the piece of pizza you left behind because that's just your world. And you're not, it, it just if it's not on you, it's probably not going to happen. We see people do God's yeah. work with what they're carrying with them or what's immediately nearby. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's where, I guess, if you're you know if you're doing le over, so you say you're doing le Overwatch stuff, because um, you got people in town that you got to protect. Yeah. And you need to do it very quietly. You know, having that short capability maybe what's needed. Yeah. Because um, you're not going to scare the locals by yeah. having a big black. Yeah. Scary rifle attached to you. Yeah. Um, you know, the same side, same side of things, you know, if you're looking to stretch out to 800, 1,000 meters, you know, that 12.5, gun probably is not the right tool. Amen. So, you know, I, I think, I think the SBR, especially a civilian in the civilian world and law enforcement world really, really shines for portability and convenience. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, now, it guys, somebody out there right now is 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 screaming at their ceiling in their basement um, in their underoos, going, but 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 the military has guys with 550 yard confirmed kills with Mark 18s and 77 grain ammo. Yep, yes. If you fling enough rounds at something, you'll hit it eventually. Um, it it wasn't your it wasn't your who was the guy's name in all the sniper movies? Tom something or other. It wasn't your one shot one kill blah 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 blah, which is kind of bullshit too. Um, even with oh, a precision gun. Tom Berenger stuff. Yeah, Tom Berenger. You know, this, is, this isn't your gravelly one shot, one kill. Mom, USA, apple pie, shit. Like, yeah, this that's not that. Um, you know, the the dude. You know, I'm not saying the dude didn't dome the guy on the first shot, but it was if you know, in in the real world, you can make hits with a. You know, we've made hits on 300 yard silhouettes with Glocks, uh, with Glock 19s and Glock 17s. So yeah, just because you hit it doesn't mean it's a, it's an it's within the operational parameters of that system. In a, on a general level. So, yes, you might be able to do it, but it's not what it's made for. It's not what it's convenient for. It's not what it's best at kind of thing. Um, but we step up to the 14 and a half inch guns, 300 yard hits on people size targets get real easy real quick. Yeah. And out through even four and 500 get easier because the velocity of the bullet's going a little faster, a little flatter, a little more ballistic effect on target because the bullet's going a little faster, a little yeah. flatter, and all that different fun stuff. Um, and I'd even drop that down to that 13, 7, 13, 9, 14 and a half, 16 inch. And maybe 18-inch if you're a goon. Maybe you want an 18-inch barrel if you're a goon. But I think when you get in the 5.56 gun, go to the 18.20 at that point. Now we're going the opposite direction where you're not worried about visibility, but you do want the capability. Yeah. And going to a longer barrel gives you more bullet velocity. And if you're running an efficient projectile with the right twist barrel, 
say 77 grain, 69 grain match, something like that with a one and seven twist barrel. Now we got some reachy reachy going on um, and you're pushing energy. You're not bleeding energy on the projectile downrange quite as much and you're pushing energy downrange significantly more effectively. A little bit flatter shooting bullet based on the ballistics of the bullet and having a little more velocity. Um, there's some really, really neat threads out there that you guys can chase down, whether it's on uh, Light Fighter, whether it's on Sniper's Hide, whether you Google it, ARFCOM, due to your taking 24 inch 5.56 barrels and cut them down one inch at a time to show velocity loss, velocity bleed, yeah. that kind of stuff. And these, I think, were bolt guns, so you really weren't losing anything to any part of the system. Um, and, and you go, you know, from a 20 inch to a 16 inch gun, you're going from 31 and a half, 3,200 foot per second. You're losing about 300 feet per second. So going to a 16, 14 and a half inch, you're only dropping down to about 2,900, 2,850, 2,900, which is still plenty of velocity. And then there's all the mythology around a 5.56 bullet's got to be going 2,700 feet per second to work. If you're operating on M193 circa Vietnam, a 55 grain bullet in a 1 in 9 or 1 in 12 twist barrel, yeah, that round to tumble and do nasty things has got to be going 2750 or better generally to do what it's supposed to do. Having said that, where does the line start to get shot with one that's only going 1200 feet per second? I don't see that line anywhere. Um, you know, so there's a reality check to this. You start stepping into modern projectile design and modern ammunition manufacturer. Um, you know, you can have an AR bullet in the sub 2000 feet per second range that still does nasty, nasty things to tissue. Um, you know, it's just going to be at closer range. That round's made for a 10 3, 11 and a 10 5, 11 and a half, 12 and a half, whatever. If for home defense or for law enforcement use up close, Hornady has some stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that that's, that's solid. It does what it's supposed to do. You know, so some of that comes down to it, you know, what are you feeding it to? And with the DMR guns, um, on both, less so with the SBR or the short barreled gun, the 11 and a half inch, whatever. The building it out for optics, building it out for lights, building it out for home defense, you can get away with a lesser light if it's a gun, the guns intend to be used inside a structure, inside your house, whatever, as a home defense gun. Um, when you step up to the DMR gun, the adjuncts that you put on the gun, the accessories that you bolt onto it become significantly more critical. Yeah, especially depending on the application. Yep. Uh, you know, if you're doing an 18 inch, call an 18 inch DMR gun, bias towards doing things like coyotes mm -hmm. um you know you may be running thermals um you might be running a like a night scope in front of the day scope yeah seven the really long rail um yeah. and then the ability to tripod mount the gun yeah so we need you know a tripod mount on the other on the bottom of the rail this um, is a place where that this is actually that that, that application where might actually be like a four rail Picatinny four rail gun. Yeah, might actually have some standing. Having something that's yeah. you know possibly a heavier system. Yeah, uh, because you're not necessarily humping it for 20, 20 clicks in a night. Yeah, kind of thing because uh, you're most likely going from the truck to where you're shooting from. Yeah, or you're shooting out of the back of the truck potentially. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're using that same gun now in a more call it tactical scenario, we probably still need the you know the, or still want the tripod mounting capability. Yeah. Um, we might be using only you know visible optics yeah. because of the need to to target identify. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having depending on what light, you know, we want more of a light that's just going to punch a lot of light way down range. Yeah. As opposed to having a lot of spill. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it no, changes. The, the, it, fr the front end of the gun becomes more critical at that point. The adaptability of the yep, front end of the gun. Exactly, because you know, you know, especially if you're doing anything at distance at night, you're probably not running visible light. Yeah. More than likely. Um, and then you may want to, if it's a defensive tool or a fighting tool, then you may want to have white light as a backup to whatever else in case something does pop off a little bit closer and, and that's what you need to you need to go visible right now kind of mentality so you know having the space on the gun and by virtue of that probably the extra weight on the gun and all those different things it becomes a very very different gun um and i still think it becomes a niche gun uh you can talk to dudes uh ramadi fallujah um the marine corps running a force m16 a force 20 inch barrels uh, but with CCOs and ACOGs and stuff like that, kicking indoors for days in Ramadi and in Fallujah and not happy about running that big gun. Now, they made it work because they're fucking Marines and that's what they do. Um, you know, you take whatever they give you and you go find the bad guy and do business. Yeah. Um, so they made that work. Uh, but it, the guns, it's, it's suboptimal for so many other things. So, you know, kind of, again, that project build, what are you trying to do with the gun? What are the capabilities? What do you want to be able to do? And when you start talking about also distances and stuff like that, 600 meters. I, we had one of our guys who's an industry pro um, build a 16-inch gun out of relatively inexpensive parts. I think bought a decent barrel, put a relatively inexpensive scope on it. I want to say the whole build was like a thousand, eleven hundred bucks, and then took it to Thunder Valley with a guy who's an experienced long-range shooter as a spotter and was banging thousand yard steel plates with a 5.56 gun with 75 or 77 grain ammo, 16 inch barrel, and again, thousand dollar gun, I think maybe even thousand dollar gun and optic. Yeah. Now, the shooter's one hell of a shooter and his spotter's one hell of a spotter, uh, very competent dudes. They both, you know, the spotter's done PRS and stuff like that for years. Um, and so able to do, yes, you can make it work and get hits on steel, ballistic effect, is it there? Now we start talking about, let's get out past five, 600 meters. I'm, I'm probably not looking at a 5.56 round anymore, especially if I don't have the support of an entire squad around me. Yeah. Maybe another dude with a 240 or a 249 or something like that, that when I take the shot and hit the guy and maybe the guy's not down and the whole world decides they want to start shooting back, now I'm in trouble because I started off with the wrong system to do it anyway. Now we start looking at different calibers and then that opens the whole wide world up to the conversation getting bigger, longer, and heavier. Because with a 308, I might be able to get out through 800 with a 20-inch 308, and then I might be able to get out through 1500 with a 22-inch 6.5. But this is where this whole conversation turns into what I think's best versus what you think's best versus what we're trying to do with yeah. it, and it gets huge really quickly. Um, I, so keeping the conversation within the confines of say 556, 77 grain and down, 18, 20-inch DMR guns are interesting, but it's a niche gun. Yeah, definitely a niche gun. Uh, one of the other things you give up with with staying in 5.56 for this kind of application, uh -huh. if you are going, you know, target shooting, um, even, I guess, even hunting, um, you give up a lot of splash and trace to be able to see where your round's impacted yeah. if they don't hit the target. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you just don't get a lot of trace off of a 5.56 projectile. True. Um Depending and you don't on get what a lot you're of shooting into. You don't yeah. get very much splash either. Yeah, you're not going to get much disturbance in the ground if it's dirt or grass. Heaven forbid it's in the woods. You're not going to see where that bullet's hitting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where having something you know bigger, heavier, be that six five Creedmoor, um, you know, an actual three hundred eight projectile. Yeah. 
uh, you do get a lot more feedback on what's happening. Yeah. Um, and that makes it easier to put the second or the third round, you know, exactly where it needs to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then the drawback to the bigger bullet is it costs more to train with, it costs more to shoot. You no longer have a gun you can go train with inexpensively and put lots of rounds out there. And, and those guys out there saying, but it's a DMR gun. I'm only going to shoot a few rounds through it at a time, blah, 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 blah. That's fine, but it's still what we're talking about is a semi-auto fighting gun that you may need to use up close. So you should still have the capability to understand how to clear a room with it and stuff like that. And, and you know, or your your house, a structure, move around, yeah. etc. And and achieve fire superiority. Heaven forbid that becomes a conversation where you need to be able to outgun somebody if you don't know how to drive the gun because it's just too heavy and you only shoot it off a tripod or only shoot it off a bag or only shoot it off a bipod, it's hard to train with those kind of guns affordably, especially when you get into, and I don't want to say, I don't think 6.5 is exotic, 6.5 is here to stay, yeah. um, but 6.5 has got a lot of capability on, on softer targets, you right. know, I would say sub 200 pound things um, that maybe are undulates, quadrupeds, and maybe are bipeds and stupid. Um, so, you know, bear that in mind too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, this, this spectrum, you know, these are, these are conversations that come up. Um, honestly, like I said, what drove the conversation was just guys looking at who had gone, were either forced via policy or whatever to run 16 inch guns, or that's what they were issued and then had the opportunity to run short guns and either chose not to, or went to them, trained with them and decided that going back to 14 and a half, 16 is a better mousetrap. And when you get into it, um, it, it's it's definitely some stuff to think about. I, I will throw out there my own personal experience. I run lightweight guns. You guys have all heard me say I like pencil profile barrels. I like hammer forged pencil profile barrels because they're significantly more durable. Uh, but a lot of what I'm seeing are guys pushing back into pencil profile 14 half inch pen welded guns um, as duty weapons and stuff like that because the gun's lightweight, it's easy to carry all day, and it's still effective through multiple hundred meters there's just you know when you start looking at it, there's not a there's it's really you're gonna have a hard time convincing me that the bull barrel um in a fighting gun is has is worthy until you start talking about being in a team environment where you may have to have that rifleman's cadence to move multiple hundreds of meters and disengage yeah. from a threat or to react to a contact and bust an ambush by fighting through it and uh, as a one man as a one man unit if you're fighting into an ambush um, let us let us know where to send your pension checks. You know, because you're I don't know I don't maybe they die with you. I'm yeah. not sure. Well, that or works. your name is probably John Wick. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, um, you know, running uphill into an ambush is probably ill-advised when you're not with a team of freaking rangers. Um, so yeah, yeah. By the way, the last time I humped twenty clicks in one night, I actually stepped on the LT's map. <laughs> he shouldn't have dropped it. That's the only time I've ever tw done twenty clicks at once. So. That's all I got. Yeah. The other, I think the other one thing that kind of came up with sort of with this conversation, uh, having, you know, absolute tack driver of a rifle is great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but if your wind calling capabilities, you know, past 300 meters is measured in, you know, six or eight or more MOA. Or swags. Uh, or swags Bitter, yeah. or Kentucky yeah. windage. Yeah. Um, you know, having the best rifle on the planet isn't necessarily going to put rounds on target based on what the target is yeah it's somebody who knows the engineering specs can call me out on this um but 
when Reed or Chris Knight, whoever it was, developed the Mark the M110 um, 308 gun. The, the gun, the gun was designed yes to be a designated marksman gun so it was but it still is not much more than infantry rifle accurate uh, i think the accuracy specs on the m110 are like one and a half moa one and three quarter yeah. moa something like that um and and that and and now granted that was also with like d-linked m80 ball if you put m118 lr or some other good match ammo in at 168 grain gold medal something like that it would shoot some of them would shoot significantly better than that but the design impetus of that gun was never to put bullets in the same hole uh, the design impetus was people accurate through 600 meters or 800 meters, whatever the case may be. Um, I think probably more like five or 600 meters uh, because the 800 meters would be served by something better. Uh, but that was the idea behind it is we want to be able to hit a person out to whatever distance and dissuade that person from wanting to be where they are and fight. Uh, when we, and matter of fact, when LaRue started replacing some of the M110s because Knights couldn't keep up with the demand for them at one point, um, either I think it was during Afghanistan, some of the LaRue guns came out and they were guaranteed like three-quarter MOA or something yeah. like that. And they would do it, but they also wouldn't do it dirty. And and that was a point of contention. Mark LaRue still bristles over that. He still gets his hackles up when you start talking about that kind of stuff. But the reality check, he'll tell you that, that they're way better shooting guns. But as a result, you're talking tolerances. You're talking, you know, Wilson Combat versus Glock. And so, you know, when he, one of them gets dirty, you got to clean it. The other one, you you know, you pour more oil in it and go on. It's kind of the conversation. So what are you giving up and what are you gaining by going to an uber-accurate gun? Do you really need it, A? And then, B, what are you giving up to get it? And that could be reliability. Yeah. And so. then also, do you have the skill set to actually employ it? Yeah, yeah. And where part of that conversation is coming from um, is, is definitively – this guy could he's a shooter for legit long range shooter he could do it uh for me having a gun that puts bullets in the same hole is polishing turd and i'm that turd <laughs> you can't polish me enough to make it worth the trouble so yeah actually yeah. yep so yeah yeah on that note uh, you can follow us along on facebook and instagram on facebook we are cap city outfitters on instagram we're cap city outfitters too on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes out once a week or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com and we will add you to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Ollie's and directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. And we're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturdays, 10 to 3. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.